You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's the one. Yeah. All right. It is time for this week's edition of Matt Minnick's Bengals Chalk Talk. I am Matt Minnick. Uh, let's get in to this Bengals Cardinals game. Uh, unfortunately, the Bengals lose again in heartbreak, uh, heartbreaking fashion uh, as they mounted a comeback late in the game, uh, did some pretty good things, but just came up a bit short. So that's what we're going to focus on today is uh, the last half of the fourth quarter and that uh, late comeback that they mounted. Uh, now, the scene was set for this uh, by... My least favorite play, uh, if you follow me, you know uh, that I think that toss out of shotgun is the stupidest play there is. Uh, it, it defeats the purpose uh, of running toss to run out of shotgun, uh, and the Bengals give up a big, a big long score in it. Uh, so that's um, that's embarrassing. Let's put it that way, because uh, I think it's a stupid play. I've explained it to offensive coordinators who run it. Uh, college offensive coordinators who run it. Uh, and then after I said that, they've been like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, I see what you mean. <laughs> so um, so I'm not, I'm not alone in this, uh, you know, but they, they gave up that score. Uh, and that set the tone, put them down 14 points with seven minutes and seven seconds left in the game. Uh, that is where they took over. And uh, now, Here's the thing. I, I think people are always overwhelmed by comebacks, and they think we got to score now. We got to score now. And you hear that. You hear commentators on TV. Hear somebody's down. You're like, oh well, they're they're taking too much time. Um, but you got to think about the big picture and how long does it normally take you to score touchdowns. That's uh, something that as a coach you want to get a pace for during the during the game about how long drives are lasting, uh, and that gives you an idea if you get into this situation of about how much time you need. So right now they're down by two scores and there's seven minutes and seven seconds remaining in the game. Uh, so not ideal, all right? Uh, that gives you about three and a half minutes uh, to score, you know, for, per touchdown. So you, you have to score uh, every three and a half minutes is the way you want to break that down. You shouldn't be thinking we got to get a quick score here so we can come back and we have six minutes. No, you want to you you want to pace it out. Um, and you got to play some defense. You know, that's what it comes down to. So seven minutes and seven seconds. Um, the Bengals, you know, need to be thinking, we got to score in three and a half minutes. we got to get the ball back, and we got to score in another three and a half minutes. Uh, so they came out initially in a uh, three-by-one formation. So they had a bunch to the left, Dalton in the shotgun with a running back on his right, uh, and a receiver split out to the right, a uh, single receiver to the right, and that was on tape. So the Bengals got things going right away with a quick little out to Tate. All right, quick little out, uh, you know, not taking, uh, you know, excuse me, getting the ball uh, out quickly, picking up nine yards, uh, you know, getting things 
moving, getting things going along. Uh, now it's a quick pass, so it didn't require them to have great pass protection. Uh, but, you know, they were doing all right. Uh, John Jerry was a, getting pushed back a little bit, getting out-muscled uh, from the left tackle position. But overall, they did all right. That brought up second and 10 on the Bengals' 30-yard line. Now, here they had a bunch formation and uh, a tight end on the right. All right, bunch formation to the left, tight end on the right, and Dalton under center with a single back behind him. All right, so they do a couple of interesting things here. Very interesting screenplay that they did. Uh, they send the first bunch man in motion, or the tightest bunch guy in motion. Uh, you know, fake jet sweep there, fake handoff to Mixon, and the widest outside receiver uh, comes high for a fake reverse as well. Uh, and, and they didn't actually, Dalton didn't actually put his hand out or anything, but, you know, the, that's what the idea is, is to, uh, to draw the defense in in that way. Uh, and then they throw the screen back to Dalton. Uh, so I'm sorry, uh, back to Mixon from Dalton. Uh, so, you know, they, they do a good job on this and they're getting out the guards and center, uh, to block. So Jordan, uh, Hopkins and John Miller all getting out there to block. Mixon makes the catch, uh, gets out there open in space. Now I think he's getting a little too cute trying to help, uh, John Miller set up his block. And I think he should really just take it to the outside. He's getting a great block from Hopkins on the outside. All right, great block from Hopkins. And, and you know, in my opinion, he should just stick with that, keep it out wide, and kind of start to fade off, you know, away into the sunset, you know, and, and uh, probably ends up getting pushed out of bounds at some point. But when he cuts back in, he doesn't have much else. But, you know, when all is said and done, it's a 16-yard gain. That's a good play. Uh, moving those chains. That gives them first and 10 after that, uh, nearing midfield, all right? So uh, on the 46-yard line. Uh, so now, again, we're saying, hey, you want to score every three and a half minutes. Well, they're moving the ball pretty well, so they can use a little bit of clock. Uh, so now they get about uh, to the 50, and they run the ball with Mixon. Uh, they have a bunch formation on the right with a with a wing H back player. Uh, they have one wide receiver to the left. He's pretty tight though. Uh, they send their widest receiver in motion, uh, loop or swipe uh, Uzama uh, over to the side to block, uh, and it's really just an inside zone play. All right, they're blocking inside zone to the right. All right, and the tight end. Uh, who's in an H-back position, Uzama, swipes across to block the end man in the line of scrimmage. All right, so decent little run by Mixon. He picks up six yards, gives him second and four. All right, clock's ticking a little bit. That's all right. Uh, you got to relax in these situations. You can't score all at once. Nobody's got a play that scores 15 points. Uh, you got you to gotta, you gotta chill with it. Uh, so second and four on the 48. All right, now they come out. Uh, come out with uh, two receivers stacked uh, on the top. Uh, excuse me, to the left, uh, Dalton is in the shotgun with Mixon to his right, uh, and they've got an H-back and wide receiver uh, who is split out to the right. All right. Now, uh, they run kind of a kind of a levels concept. They've got three different levels going. They've got a shorter receiver, uh, you know, kind of a dig, a couple of different le- levels of uh, dig route, essentially, behind him. Uh, they end up going to the shorter receiver, uh, who is 
Damian Willis. So, you know, Willis makes the catch. Right? He comes across. Uh, the, the Cardinals defender kind of runs by him. He hitches up. Dalton delivers. It's right in front of his face, a real short pass. Uh, but, hey, it, they can be short passes. You want to rack them, right? You want to rack up yards, run after the catch. Uh, and that's what Willis does, and he's able to turn it into a good gain, a 12-yard gain. Uh, overall, the offensive line here, uh, you know, not looking too bad. Uh, we're going to get uh, a slide to the left, all right, on the left-hand side. Uh, and then we're in man protection on the right. So uh, Hart's, you know, got nothing coming to him. He gets uh, some help uh, right away with, with Uzama, uh, who um, who chips, right? So that helps out Hart, and he's able to, to get his block uh, at the left tackle position. Uh, you know, Jerry is, is pass sitting, kind of kind of getting wide. He's able to force that guy to go around. You know, not uh, not doing a great job, but able to force that guy deep enough that he uh, can't have any kind of impact. Uh, so that brings up first and ten on the thirty-six yard line. So now they're starting to close in a little bit. Uh, there's four minutes and fifty-five seconds left, and they come out in a trips formation uh, with three receivers spread out to the left side of the formation, all right? And uh, and again, we've got the tight end. He's in a two-point stance, though, but we've got a tight end on the right. Uh, Dalton's got a running back to his right. Uh, so, again, we're going to get uh, a slide protection here. We'll start with the protection, all right? Sliding to the left, all right? You get Uzama uh, on the edge. He's going to release, but not before he gets a chip. Uh, that's going to help out Mixon, who's, who's going over in that direction. Uh, Hart is stepping inside. He's got his, uh, he's got a player walked up on the line of scrimmage right up next to him, so he's got that. Uh, so all in all, the protection here, uh, you know, not terrible. We do have a guy coming uh, on a twist who is able to get some penetration. Excuse me, not a twist. Uh, the linebacker kind of loops around. He's able to get a little bit of penetration. John Miller adjusts and picks it up, uh, dishes his guy off to Hopkins. Uh, but that guy is able to get a little penetration. Uh, on the left side, uh, you've got John Jerry on the outside doing a pretty good job. All right. And then inside of him, uh, uh, Michael Jordan struggles, right? They, they give up a, there's a pass rush move, a little uh, swipe underneath there uh, by that defender. Uh, and he is able to get some penetration, kind of starting to close in on Dalton uh, and gets a hit on Dalton. Uh, this ball is uh, thrown deep. They take a, a deep shot to Boyd. Boyd is not happy. Uh, he does get a little caught up with the defender. He wants an interference call or a holding or something, uh, but they're not getting it. Uh, so that stops the clock with the incomplete pass uh, and gives them second and 10 on uh, the 36-yard line with four minutes and 50 seconds left to play. All right, so just to check, remember we said we're about three and a half minutes. So we're about a minute and a half away from there. Uh, and they're inside the 40. Bunch to the left, tight end on the right in a three-point stance. Dalton is in the shotgun with a running back to his left. All right, now we get another pass, all right? Dalton throws it off to Boyd. Boyd has really just kind of come inside and uh, hitched up over the middle, all right? The linebackers are playing up tight. All right, so the linebacker gets uh, kind of sucked up by the out-releasing route. 
and doesn't drop off. All right, so he's eyeballing that guy lower, uh, and that is actually Damian Willis lower. Uh, so that prevents him from dropping off. So, you know, a little, little high-low action here. Dalton sees that guy playing low, hits Boyd. Uh, that's a 13-yard gain, and moving the sticks. Uh, so looking at the protection on that play, this is coming out quick. And, and, you know, coming out quick is smart, especially when you have problems with protection. They are sending some heat. And it's a good thing that it does come out quick uh, because they are sending, uh, you know, six guys on this play. Uh, and it's, it's you know, overwhelming. It's more than the Bengals are able to handle. So they do bring pressure. Uh, and really, where does that pressure come from? Uh, you know, the guy that ends up getting in there and, and impacting it is coming from the right side. And what happens is initially John May- uh, John Miller, I almost called him John Mayer, that's not funny at all. Uh, John Miller ha- didn't have anybody, all right? Uh, and then as he sees, he's get, he gets uh, two uh, two defensive players stunning into his gap, all right, blitzing into his gap. And he has, uh, you know, one coming to his inside gap and one coming to his outside. Now, the guy coming to his outside is the first guy he sees. So he kind of reaches out his arm, and that's the guy he's trying to pick up. Um and, you know, you, you, you want to judge this, who's most dangerous? Uh, and generally most dangerous is the tighter, you know, the guy who's close to the quarterback because he's tighter. But since that guy is, is coming first, that's who Miller picks up. Now, Mixon gets over there real quick. He sees that blitz coming. He's got blitz pickup responsibility. Uh, and he comes across. But he is also going for that same guy Miller is. Uh, they both kind of lose that second guy. Uh, so that, you know, whether they can't see him, you know, mixing, being over aggressive, doesn't see it, whatever it is. So they lose that guy. So, you know, it comes down to how, what they're being taught, uh, and how to adjust to something like this in the protection, whose fault it actually is. I would definitely blame Mixon because he's the second level defender that kind of needs to be able to see that and adjust that because he has more space. Um, but this could also be on Miller. Like I said, kind of depending on, uh, what he's being taught, uh, you know, what the, the, you know, requisite adjustments are for, for him to make, uh, in this particular scenario. So, um, either way, because it's a quick pass, pass, smart play call, good job. They get the ball off and that is a 13 yard gain. So we have first and 10 on the 23 yard line with four twenty four to play in the game bunch formation to the right, including an H back, uh, and a one wide receiver split, Wide to the left, Dalton is in the shotgun with a running back to his left. All right, and what are we going to do here? We're just going to get the ball off real fast. All right, again, let's keep moving it. So hitting another quick little out route. So they hit a quick little out to Damian Willis. Uh, That's getting them nine yards and getting them into second and one. Again, it's coming out so quick, so the protection doesn't matter that much. But here it looks actually pretty good. Uh, Gio Bernard is the running back. He gets a little chip, helping out John Jerry. That's good. They need to help out these tackles with chip blocks from tight ends, running backs, H-backs, anybody they can, whenever they can. Uh, so definitely good to see more of that this week. That is going to be a huge help. Uh, that uh, gets them to four minutes and 19 seconds left in the game, uh, second and one on the 14-yard line. This is an empty formation. They've got a uh, really everybody's tight, so it's a bunch with three receivers to the left uh, and two receivers really bunched in as well 
to the right. When I say bunch, I mean three receivers, uh, but you, these guys are, are tight and compressed uh, in much the same way as you have with a bunch. Again, let's get the ball off fast. Now, one of those two receivers in the bottom, the inside guy, is actually Giovanni Bernard. Uh, they need to be playing Bernard Moore uh, out of the backfield, uh, lined up at receiver. Great to see them doing it, you know, in particular with AJ out, with John Ross out, and with some of these receivers struggling to get separation. They need to use Gio Moore out there. Uh, he runs a quick out, and, you know, the vertical release and, uh, you know, eventual, you know, kind of hitching up of the of – the, uh, receiver outside, I'm actually tight end CG Uzama. Uh, you know, that kind of creates a bit of a natural pick situation uh, that makes it hard for that defense to get to him real fast. But it gets him the first down, all right? So it opens him up just enough to get him the first down, uh, and he gets out of bounds on that. So now they picked up four yards, first and 10 on the 10, uh, and he's out of bounds, and, uh, and they're stopping the clock, all right? 4-16 uh, when the ball is snapped again. Um, they have... Uh, First and 10 uh, on the 10-yard line. Trips formation to the left with the running back on that side. And Dalton's in the shotgun, and there is a receiver uh, spread out to Dalton's right. Uh, so the receiver spread out to the right is actually tight end Siju Uzama spread out wide. What do they do? Another quick little out, right? Get to the out. He gets tackled, uh, but he gets, uh, gets out of bounds. Pick us up eight yards. And now it's second and two. Second and two with only four minutes and uh, 11 seconds left in the game. So again, uh, these last you know few plays, they haven't they haven't used much time, right? They're snapping it, they're completing it, they're moving the chains, and they're not wasting a lot of time. Uh, so you know, really eight seconds has gone by between those plays. Uh, so good job there, uh, and it gets them to second and two on the goal line. All right, second and two down on the two. Now they've got two receivers spread out to the left and a um, H-back up to the left as well. And they've got one receiver, it's Auden Tate, spread out wide to the right. Giovanni Bernard is uh, beside Dalton, who's in the shotgun, and he is to the right to that single receiver side. So now I can't tell for sure if they are reading this, all right? Uh, If this is not truly an RPO, it is, you know, coming from the same place. You know, theoretically, it's the same. It's the same idea here. So what they do uh, is, really, it's man anyway, but there's a couple linebackers that can help out in the middle of the field. Uh, and because of this run action uh, to Giovanni Bernard, those linebackers are getting sucked in, all right? They're not all linebackers, but they're a linebacker depth, all right? So those players are getting sucked in. So now it's truly... Uh, a man-to-man setup here uh, for these receivers. Now, Tate does a great job, all right? He does a little shuffle to the outside, really selling that outside release. And the way he's lined up tight like that, you know, this would be a great situation, a big, tall receiver like Tate to throw a fade in the corner of the end zone. He's giving himself some room by playing tight like that. Uh, so that's got to be in the back of that corner's head, especially because, you know, the, the, that corner's not a good matchup uh, in a jump ball situation for Tate. So he's probably a little a little worried about that. Uh, you know, a little self-conscious perhaps about it. Uh, now, Tate sets that up, gets that uh, that corner to jump to the outside, and then takes it straight up the field towards the goalpost. Uh, easy pass, all right? Great route, 
good setup with the action and an easy pass for the touchdown. Uh, Four minutes and eight seconds on the clock. When they score the touchdown, the extra point puts them down by seven. So excellent job. Uh, Excellent job on that series uh, using the clock properly, getting down the field. So very good job. Remember, all they had to do, score every three and a half minutes. All right. They scored uh, in just under, uh, yep, just under three minutes. All right. Two minutes and 59 seconds uh, on that possession. So good job with that. The ball goes back to the Cardinals. All right. The Cardinals have a delay of game uh, inexplicably on first down. That puts them into first and 15. Uh, not a good situation. Uh, you know, really puts them in a position where they're it's tougher for them to, to try and run. You know, you, you think they're going to try and uh, use the clock a little bit. They're going to try and uh, move the chains, uh, you know, get a couple first downs and keep the, you know, play keep away with this Bengals offense. Uh, but because they end up in first down, it makes that tough on them. Uh, they come out in an empty formation. All right. So empty formation. The Bengals have a too high look. Uh, four down linemen, and really they're spread out across uh, matching up with these receivers. Now, a little bit of foreshadowing here. They don't have a linebacker in the box, truly. Uh, Preston Brown's kind of on the edge. I believe that's Nick Vigil on the bottom. He's kind of on the edge as well. Nobody's truly in the box because they're matching up with these receivers, and they have uh, four players rushing the quarterback and two deep field safeties. So they've run out of players. Uh you know, there's there's no 12th man that they can stick in the middle of the field there. Uh, so foreshadowing, that's going to be bad later. Uh, but for this play, uh, the Cardinals are, are going to run a, a quick screen out to the receiver in the top. All right, it's the number two receiver. Uh, so they take their number three receiver and uh, try and block on Webb. Uh, but hey, you know, Preston Brown's getting out there and making the tackle. That's the guy that was lined up on that number three receiver. He reacts quickly. He gets out there. They do gain five yards in the play. Uh, and that brings up second and 10. So second and 10, uh, four minutes left. The, the uh, Bengals burned their first time out real quick uh, and, you know, preserving that clock. And uh, the Cardinals come out. Uh, it's essentially a two-back look. They've got like a deep H-back slash fullback kind of guy kind of on the fringe area there. So call him what you will. Uh, but he's essentially lined up in the backfield. Uh He's to uh, Miller's, excuse me, uh, Murray's right, along with two receivers. Uh, and then Murray has one receiver to his left, and the back, uh, he's in the shotgun with a back to his left. So they uh, do a quick little play action. Uh, and really, you know, the Bengals, uh, the Bengals are doing a good job rushing the quarterback here. Uh, you know, they send a little heat. Uh, they've got Fedgedellum uh, coming off. I added a syllable there. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. Uh, Fedulum's coming off the edge. He gets picked up by David Johnson. Now, Preston Brown is in man coverage. All right. He's covering Johnson. So that's why he comes in like this delayed blitz because Johnson's blocking. So now he's going to blitz. So, uh, you know, Fedge is getting some pressure on that. But now because Brown's looping around, he is unaccounted for. So he is really free to the quarterback. He just doesn't quite get there. But he does force the ball to come out quick, all right? And because it does, Murray throws it low, all right? Kirkpatrick is doing a good job in coverage here. He's right where he needs to be. That ball comes out low, and, uh, you know, the receiver 
the receiver doesn't have any chance at it. Uh, so that brings up third and 10. An incomplete pass stops the clock, of course. So uh, third and 10 on the 25, three minutes and 56 seconds to play. Uh, the Cardinals come out in a shotgun. They've got a tight end to their left and trips to their right. The running back is to the trips side. All right. Uh, once again, they're really collapsing this pocket. So the Bengals do a good job of putting pressure. Uh, it's a five-man pressure. All right. So they are sending, uh, they are sending their their defensive line. They've got uh, you know a pretty uh, speedy little look in here uh, with Hubbard at the nose tackle. Uh, they've got Lawson on one edge. They've got Dunlap on another. They've got, they've got Gino in there. Uh, and then they're looping around Lori Reynolds, uh, linebacker as well. So bringing a five man pressure and it's, this is an athletic group on the field for this pressure. Uh, nice little substitution package. Now, BW Webb, uh, matches up here with Fitzpatrick. Uh, he struggled in the first half with him, started to play a little bit better in the second. And this is a great play. He matches up on him. All right. He's coming across the formation pressure. Where is Murray going to look? Of course, he's going to look to Fitzpatrick, right? The route kind of dictates that. But also, wouldn't you go to Fitzpatrick? I mean, that guy's going to be a, a Hall of Famer. So he goes to Fitzpatrick, all right? And Webb does a great job coming underneath, getting that left hand. That's that off hand, all right? So the on hand is the right hand. That's the hand that's closest to Fitzgerald. That's the one he wants to think about making a tackle with. But he wants to use that off hand, that left hand to come across in front, uh, and make a play in the ball. That's what he does. It's a great job, and it gets the stop, gets them off the field, and gives this Bengals offense a chance. Uh, so that play, huge play, really kept things alive for the Bengals uh, and forced the Cardinals to punt. And because the Cardinals uh, threw two incompletions, the Bengals only used one timeout. So now the Bengals get the ball back. Three minutes and 41 seconds. Remember initially we said they got a score every three and a half minutes? Well, they got 10 seconds to spare now. Uh, so three minutes and 41 seconds on the clock. The Bengals get the ball on the 19-yard line, uh, and it is uh, it is first and 10. So they come out initially uh, in an empty set with two receivers split to the left, three receivers to the right, and your man, Andy Dalton, in the shotgun. So first things first, let's look at the protection here. All right. What kind of protection are they getting? Because in empty, you're putting the defense in a bind with a lot of things, but if they decide to bring heat, you don't have much to pick it up. So they don't bring the heat here. You know, they've got a few guys standing up, not really sure what's coming. Four men come, uh, and we, we've got good protection. All right. Good job all around. Um, you know, if anybody's getting pushed back, it's, it's hard. Uh, but, you know, overall, not too bad. Dalton's got to feel good. He's got to feel poised in there. Now, uh, Tyler Boyd is the number three receiver, all right, or the third from the outside uh, on the right-hand side of the formation. All right, so he's lined up pretty tight in there. Uh, now, he does a great job. He's got man coverage, and he stems it to the outside. He really runs right at that defender and, boom, sticks a foot in the ground to the outside. Right, kind of selling like he's going to take an outside cut, and he gets the that player to to open his hips just a little bit, right, ever so slightly opening his hips, and that makes all the difference in the world. All right, just like we saw with Tate, and he is wide open on this. That guy, you know, kind of dives and tries to make a tackle on it, but he gets up the field. So 
29-yard gain on first down, so huge way to start this drive. Now, remember on the on the last drive, uh, they got to about midfield, and what they do? They started to chill. They started to slow down a little bit and use some clock, uh, and that's what they do here. All right, now they're thinking, well, we don't want to score too, too fast. Uh, they mix it up a little bit. Uh, you know, they come out right away. It's like a trips look to the right uh, with uh, one receiver to the left, and uh, Dalton is under center. But they motion in Uzama, who was the widest receiver, and now they're actually in a bunch look with uh, Uzama lined up as an H-back. All right? So kind of a two-point stance. When I say he's as an H-back, I'm saying it because uh, not only because of his tight alignment, because he's in like a square stance where it looks like he could be blocking, not like a true receiver st- stance uh, where his feet are staggered, uh, and it looks like he's just going for for speed on the release. So uh, they take their number th- uh, one receiver, the widest outside receiver, uh, Willis, set him in uh, jet motion, and then uh, they're just running his own play here to Gio Bernard. Uh, so everybody's uh, you know running zone to the right. Uh, Uzama swipes across the backfield and kicks out the end player on the line of scrimmage, and Bernard takes it upfield. And he's able to gain nine yards on that. So nice little gain on the run play. Uh, now, they're not going crazy work on the clock here. Uh, there's going to be two, thir- two minutes and 30 seconds left when they snap this ball. Um, they don't seem to be in a hurry, but they're also not letting the play clock go down inside five seconds or anything. They're snapping the ball with around 10 to 15 seconds. So, uh, you know, at this point, they, they probably in the next couple of plays could have gotten inside of the two-minute warning. Uh, they don't do that. Uh, and you understand why, because this is a team that has had trouble scoring, uh, particularly in the red zone. So they might need this time just because they're moving the ball. They might need that time later on. Uh, so it, it's people always talk about score too fast. We have to score. And especially a team like this that has struggled to score uh, and struggled to do things they needed to do when they needed to do them. Uh, it's really, really hard to play that game. Um, so they come out and now it's uh, second and one. And they've got trips to the left, and that's where Bernard is, and the shotgun to the left uh, of Dalton as well, and a single receiver spread out to the right side. So once again, uh, we're getting a run. Uh, so Bernard actually only picks up uh, a yard here, but it is enough for the first down. Uh, so it's a zone, and actually uh, a zone read. Uh, not blocking the end man in the line of scrimmage here. Dalton's looking at him. He he ends up giving it. Uh, kind of a kind of a muddied read, and that can happen from time to time because uh, the guy is stepping down, but he's not turning and running. Uh, now I, I once uh, I once heard Chip Kelly talk, and, and Chip Kelly d- describes uh, he says it's not a read. He says it's an unless. He wants his quarterback to give the ball unless that guy's going to make the tackle. So he didn't think that guy can make the tackle on Bernard. He gives it. That guy does end up getting involved in the tackle. Uh, but whatever, it's first down, they're moving along. Uh, the next play is going to be snapped with 203. Like I said, not a huge sense of urgency, which I think is okay. Um, bunch to the right, single receiver to the left. Dalton is under center with the back behind him. Now, this is essentially the play that the Bengals got burned on uh, for a quick touchdown in the third quarter last week against the Steelers. So uh, it's going to look a little familiar. Uh, and what they do is, uh, it is a massive protection. Uh, they leave the running back in. They leave the H-back tight end in, that, that number three guy in the bunch. They leave him in. And they leave the widest receiver in to block. 
So they actually have Auden Tate coming in from that bunch and helping out on the edge rusher. Uh, so I, I was talking about how they needed to do more to help out their offensive line last week. They're getting creative. You know, they're doing some things. They're leaving that guy in. So, uh, so I appreciate that. Geo is helping out on the left-hand side. They're, they're sliding everybody to the left. You know, it looks pretty good. They've got uh, Uzama and um, uh, and uh, Tate, excuse me, they're helping out on the edge on the right-hand side. Uh, so, you know, you don't have to worry about Uzama on a, on a defensive end like we had last week. You don't have to worry about Bobby Hart on a defensive end like we always worry about. Um, and he's able to slide in and help out with some other stuff. So very good protection. Now, what they do on this route, you know, going back to the, to the route, there's only two players left, right? So uh, five down linemen, running back stays in, one receiver and one tight end stay in. That's eight guys. The quarterback makes nine. So that's a two-man route. So it's a single high safety. And what they're going to do is that receiver on the left is running like a deep dig route coming across. All right. I believe it's Willis. So he's running a dig route coming across. And that gets the safety to bite. NFL safeties. I don't know. It it seems like it's really crazy this year that they are, man, are they looking to jump those dig routes and forgetting that there's like always a post coming behind it. Um, And, you know, it's been happening a lot, and I, you know, I think they're being taught to, to play that route, but I struggle with it because stay deeper than the deepest. You know, realize when something's coming short, something's going to be coming deeper. So that's what happens here. He bites on that. He gets sucked in over to that side, and, of course, there's a post coming back, and Boyd is wide open for a 42-yard touchdown. Uh, Bullock's extra point ties the game. So huge. Uh, this is great for the Bengals. Now, it's going to be – it's the two-minute warning now. Um, so, did they score too fast? Well, they had to score. Um, you know, and they had to take that shot. And if they methodically worked their way downfield, you know, the history of this season tells us they weren't going to get in the end zone because they're not very good at getting in the end zone. So, uh, two minutes left. They have tied the game. Uh, they had a great defensive outing the last time around. They've got to hold the Cardinals one more time. Now, here's the here's the issue, right? Um, they come out and and they and they gave up the drive. All right, so we all know how it ended. Uh, we're not going to look at every single play from that drive. I'm going to look at the two plays that really matter from that drive. Okay, there are two plays, each of which uh, on each of which they gained uh, 24 yards. So these two plays accounted for 48 of the 67 yards that the Cardinals gained before uh, kicking the game-winning field goal. Uh, spoiler alert there, my bad. Uh, so the majority of those yards were on two plays. Uh, and I talked a little bit, I foreshadowed it a little bit for you before. Uh, it is the empty formation. So empty puts you in a bind. Empty makes life tough on defenses. Uh, that's why it's a good thing to run. And uh, it's especially bad when you have an athletic quarterback, uh, which I believe I talked about previewing this game last week. But I digress. Uh, so they come out, and they're not actually in empty, all right? So they have a trips formation, uh, trips to the right, single receiver to the left, then David Johnson motions out of the backfield. The Bengals have a one-high look, and Nick Vigil comes out of uh, – out of the box to match up with David Johnson 
uh, in what you know appears to be a, a cover one look, one high safety uh, and man to man. So, Vigil, number one, this is a mismatch. All right, this stinks for the Bengals. All right, this is not the matchup you want on David Johnson. Uh, and then Vigil makes a mistake. So we talk about pressing receivers. We talk about hitting receivers. You know, you know, banging them at the line of scrimmage, jamming them. Um, there's good and the bad with that. Okay, what happens to Vigil here is he gets his hands on him, and it helps. Johnson to gain separation. You don't, you can, you want to disrupt their release and the line of scrimmage. Vigil is four yards off the line of scrimmage and pushes Johnson away. So your, your jam can't push them away. You want to be on them like glue. Pushing them away is allowing that, that guy to get separation. So Vigil's not able to recover from that. Johnson takes an outside release. They, uh, they loft up really a nice ball on the on the sideline, pops right in there. You know, safeties come over to help, but he's the deep middle player. Like, what is he gonna do on that ball on the sideline deep? Uh, you know, other than push it out of bounds. Uh, now this ball comes flying out. I'm not an official, and here's my thing is you know, being a guy that coached forever, I don't care. Like, we're we're moving on. Um, when you look at the tight copy uh, that they showed. On the game, you know, it, it looked like he got a couple steps in, and this one kind of looks like he got a couple steps in too. So, tough call. Sucks. Wish it would have gone our way. The ball definitely, you know, looked like it was going flying out from the wide, uh, but not the way we went. You know, obla di, obla da. Life goes on. We gotta, we gotta keep moving. Uh, and he, and he can't be complaining about that stuff. And that, that's why I have uh, that mindset so much. You really can't be complaining about that stuff, worrying about that stuff. We've got to be worried about the next play. Uh, that is what it is all about. So now coming out, uh, two plays later, it's second and six. All right. So they've gained some good yardage. Now, uh, they are on the 40, excuse me, the 39 yard line. So you add 17 to that. All right. That's 56. That's a 56 yard field goal from there so just a little bit out of range uh, you know 56 you know doable but not somewhere you want to be kicking it from not want to be trying it from the the uh the odds are not in your favor in that situation uh so they come out it's second and six they come out in an empty look this time it's trips up to the right two receivers to the left actually that's what it was last time too uh now the Bengals come out like they had uh previously uh not on the previous clip but uh, on the previous drive with two high safeties. As we talked about, two high safeties, four men rushing the quarterback, five guys matched up on those receivers. That leaves nobody in the middle of the field. There are no linebackers in the box. So all these guys, all right, are focused uh, on coverage. Nobody is in the box. And when you have a mobile quarterback... That's no good. So everybody at linebacker depth is out of the box, is focused on a receiver. Now, uh, you know, they're focused on that. The safeties are playing deep. Now, and I want to point this out. Let me let me take one quick step back. So the last time it was empty and they threw a ball on the sideline. Couldn't really get any help for that guy there because it was a deep middle safety. Now you go to two high safeties. Two high safeties, they're able to play on that ball. All right. It's still tough on the sideline, but 
in this sort of defense, when you're playing, uh, you know, like a like a man under and like a two man sort of defense, the safeties are responsible for really helping outside uh, and deep. So they're able to help out on that. So they're accounting for what they got hurt in the last time. Uh, but which players out of the box and those safeties, the only guys reading the quarterback, everybody else is focused on their man. So Murray takes off, no linebackers there. He works his way upfield. The safeties react, they come up, but it's too late. Great hustle here by Fedgelum. He's the guy that, uh, Fedgelum, she's man, adding syllables to that name all day. Uh, so, Hey, you know, great hustle here to make that play, but it's a 24 yard gain and worse it is now first and 10 on the 15-yard line. The uh, Cardinals have 39 seconds to play. They're going to run the ball and set themselves up uh, and you know, down into the uh, the 13-yard line, uh, kick that field goal. So those two plays uh, and, and adjusting, matching up to empty uh, are what got them. You know, that, that, that's what hurt them on this drive, and that was the difference in the game uh, for the Bengals. All right. So now I am joined by Emery Hunt uh, to talk a little bit about this week's uh, upcoming appointment. Appoint- ah, <laughs> I can't talk at all. Uh, opponent uh, for the Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens, and what we should expect out of the Ravens in this matchup. Emery, how are you doing today? Doing fine, Matt. As always, I appreciate you having me on. So what are, uh, you know, what are the Ravens right now? You know, that's the big question uh, to me is I think in the past, uh, for a lot of years, it's been dominant defense, uh, and you had a nice, solid, strong arm, Joe Flacco, you know, uh, chucking the ball to tight ends but not really doing anything to excite you but but winning your games. Uh, And now that has been flipped on its head. You've got – perhaps the most exciting, uh, you know, dynamic young quarterback in the league. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, Patrick Mahomes might, might claim that title still, but a guy who's right up there with Mahomes in terms of, of some of the things he can do uh, in Lamar Jackson. Uh, and you've got a defense that's, uh, you know, that has had some struggles this year. So uh, who are the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, that's a great way to phrase it. I think the Ravens are still sort of what you remember under Joe Flacco, um, but, you know, they obviously want to be led by their defense, have a really good running game, one of the best running games in the league, and not just you know, by yards, but just how they attack the running game is something that's impressive to me. And with Lamar Jackson, you add him to the running game, but you also add him uh, from a passing perspective, able to hit those big plays deeper down the field, able to keep a defense in check, and able to move the sticks. His third down efficiency is impressive. So you're still getting – philosophically the same Ravens team, but this year's addition, the defense isn't as good, but the run game and their ability to chew up the clock and, and be efficient and moving the ball is still the same. Yeah, so you're getting, you're getting back to the, uh, to the Jamal Lewis there to some extent, but uh, definitely more, uh, more exciting and dynamic than what it was. Um, you know, looking at this run game, we're seeing a lot of uh, heavy three-man backfields uh, out of the shotgun. Uh, you know, we're seeing a good amount of uh, not just not just zone read, but uh, you know, powers and quarterback powers. Um, and it's interesting to me because the the Ravens 
you know, the word out of out of Ravens camp was they were going to be doing something that was going to change football and was going to be something nobody had ever seen. Uh, and I can't help but watch this uh, offense and think I've seen John Harbaugh's uh, brother, or, or <laughs> I've seen John Harbaugh's brother Jim run this with Colin Kaepernick almost a decade ago. Um, you know, so what what do you think of, of this run game and kind of how they're doing these things and uh, just kind of the play style in that run game? Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. They're doing a lot of what they did in San Francisco when Kaepernick hit the scene uh, with the 49ers. I think what, what John Harbaugh was doing in the offseason was really poking fun and trolling a lot of the people that, that called Lamar Jackson a running back. And this takes back all the way through his whole uh, pre-draft process. And I asked John Harbaugh at the Combine, I kind of gave him the floor to wax poetically about what do you say to those people that thought he was a running back and just opposed to, um, you know, what he was asked to do last year as a rookie to what he's able to do. And he, he laughed and he was like, you know, raise your hand if you thought he couldn't throw. And it, you had, you heard silence from the, the, the media gaggle that was around there because he basically called him out. Um, and so he, I knew when he was making those statements that they weren't going to run the football uh, with Lamar Jackson 30-plus times a game, and uh, they wasn't going to run him to the ground. They knew they had put together the Lamar Jackson package um, for that portion of the season last year, and they were going to expand on that um, this upcoming season. We've seen them do that so far, and it's essentially what we saw in San Francisco. Yeah, it's really interesting, too. You know, you say the Lamar Jackson package, and, uh, uh, you know, watching film, getting ready for this uh, this matchup, I think it was against the Cardinals, uh, and actually there's a clip that we'll, we'll take a look here on the podcast later on. Um, they were in third and medium, like third and five, something like that. Uh, you know, something that's definitely a passing situation. And not only did they didn't run a draw, uh, they ran quarterback power. Uh, had the running back going out wide, ran the quarterback power, and, and Jackson picked up seven yards, and they're, and they're converting an important third down. So, uh, having a weapon like that, like I, I mean, just being able to trust that you're going to get over five yards uh, on a must-convert situation, I mean, that, that, that is incredible. Um, and I think it speaks to how dynamic he is, but it also it speaks to the offense and having those reads. Uh, when, I, when I coached offense, every year I coached offense, uh, zone read was our most efficient play. Uh, and just having that read, you know, it just gives you something, uh, you know, it just gives you that extra little little yard or half a yard uh, that you need over time and, and on average. Uh, so having that component in there, especially with that, the power running game, uh, you know, that's that's huge to be able to have that confidence in that, that situation. Absolutely. And, and what people don't understand is that you don't have to have a Lamar Jackson at quarterback to have your zone read be effective. We've seen uh, Nick Foles. In a, in a sense, do that with the Eagles. We've seen other quarterbacks just show the illusion. Aaron Rodgers and, you know, uh, other QBs have, have shown that illusion before, and it just helps you out because it forces the defense to hesitate. You know, if, if you have a Lamar Jackson, that's great, but if you have a quarterback that has a, a lightning quick release, that's, the, that's just as good as well because it forces you to, to, you know, to hesitate a little bit on both ends because now you don't want to get outflanked when you're dealing with a runner and you don't want to get yourself out of position when you're dealing with a guy with a lightning quick release that could throw right behind your ear. So the the fact that you are able to incorporate that element within your offense just gives you an advantage, a numbers advantage, um, in my opinion, you know, in your uh, within your offense. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think looking at, uh, at at Jackson this year, I was a big fan of him coming out. I know you were a huge fan of Jackson coming out. Um, but you, you could certainly uh, make, a, make a case for some of his accuracy issues coming out, uh, much the way – uh, the same way uh, you could with Josh Allen uh, coming out of Wyoming. Um, early uh, this year, you know, he, he, was, he was producing some, some uh, really good numbers, uh, and he's, he's still doing some good things. But in the last two weeks, he has thrown five interceptions. Uh, you know, I think there, there are some that look to have a bit of an accuracy issue. Uh, there are, you know, a couple of, of maybe confused reads. What are you – where do you think Lamar Jackson is at in his development uh, as a quarterback you know, becoming a just a just an efficient passer uh, who can be you know counted on to to make uh, these kind of pinpoint throws. See, I always thought the accuracy knock on him was a myth, and it's funny with you know in the land of exams stats that everyone lost toss toss out there. No one brought up the fact that his Louisville receivers led the nation in drops, um, and none of his receivers coincidentally are in the NFL. Um, so you look at that number, I think it was 59%. That could easily have been 62, which everybody would have been like, okay, well, that's a little bit more better than uh, a little bit better than 59%, which is essentially eight more catches. Um, so I never questioned his accuracy. It was his mechanics that was, from a consistency standpoint, that gave you some cause for pause. In the NFL, let's say the last couple of weeks with the five interceptions, you can just go back to the Steelers game. Two of those were actually incomplete passes that, one, didn't get overturned when the ball clearly hit the ground, and two, uh, for one, the guy was held and Harbaugh didn't challenge it. And, you know, you saw uh, the tight end, Mark Andrews, kind of kind of almost turn around and throw his hands up like, man, where's the flag? While the play is going on, uh, and mm-hmm. that ball gets tipped and intercepted. So and I would say out of the three he threw last week, the one was his fault, and that was the one to the flat. Uh, where he just kind of just just sailed that one, or even just shorter on that one uh, in the flat. Yeah, yeah. There were two guys there. It kind of looked like he couldn't decide which one. And he threw it between them, and you know. yeah, he threw it right threw it right between them. And so, yeah. and if you go back to uh, the uh, Browns game, the deep ball against uh, against that coverage. Actually, if I don't want to say if, but you know, uh, Mark Andrews trips and falls, and that's just a great play by the, the safety. Um, then he had another pass. Hey, there's, there's, you can nuance his interceptions. So I would still give him maybe two interceptions out of the five uh, that were mm-hmm. actually his fault. And the fact that he still has an 11-to-5 touchdown interception ratio, I don't worry about him more so than the Josh Allen, who's at five touchdowns, seven interceptions. I, I think they are nowhere near the same in, in terms of accuracy. We still haven't seen Josh Allen hit a deep ball yet. And we've seen Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson hit a couple of deep balls uh, throughout the course of the season. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely, and and I'm with you on that. I I always thought it was, uh, you know, when, when Jackson uh, threw a, a really bad looking ball at Louisville, uh, you could you could usually uh, you know see where his feet were, and and it wasn't even on the run. You know, he's he was pretty good on the run, but you know sometimes you, you just get wide and he wouldn't step into it, and and he, and he uh, start to float a few. Uh, now you mentioned hit, hitting those deep balls, so. Uh, as a Bengals fan, so I, look, I, I was I was excited about Jackson. I liked him coming out, you know, the, giving them him the possibility. And then they went out and got this guy a receiver. Uh, so so Hollywood Brown uh, coming in, uh, and when 
when that was, uh, you know, when that when that pick was made, it was like, oh, geez, now we got we got Mahomes and Tyreek Hill in the AFC North now, uh, and they got a defense. What what are, <laughs> what is anybody supposed to do against this team? Uh, so, wh- uh, what are your thoughts on Brown? I know he's uh, he's dealing with an injury right now. Um, you know, we all hope that he'll uh, be completely healthy on Monday. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what you know? How do you, how do you think uh, Brown is impacting this offense overall, and specifically Lamar's development? He's done a great job, uh, and this what's interesting is that when you watch him out there on the field, it's impressive to see him and Lamar had this chemistry, considering that they didn't practice essentially, you know, virtually the entire summer because he was recovering from the uh, the foot injury coming out of college, and so to hit the ground running in week one. With that level of timing, was impressive. And they're still working through some timing things. You can still see Lamar miss him a little bit. I want to say one pass against the uh, Browns, he, he had him in a flat, just kind of like short on it once again, almost like the interception he threw against the uh, the Steelers. Just kind of missed him. Um, so they're still working through that, but he has been a godsend for this offense. He and also Boykin uh, from Notre Dame. And I think these two have the potential to be the – the better, the best receiving core we've seen in Baltimore in quite some time, because that's usually what has been the issue in Baltimore, going all the way back to Flacco's start. Yes, man, who are the receivers in Baltimore? They need some some playmakers. They either have one or none. I think now with the addition of these two rookies, along with those three tight ends, they got a chance to do something special in the passing game because of their talent. But Brown has been a huge asset. Uh, for Lamar Jackson. Just hope, like you said, he can continue to stay healthy, almost like John Brown out there. And I'm sorry, uh, I'm thinking of, um, you know, uh, the guy out there in Cincinnati, the, the speedster. Yeah, um, John Ross. John Ross, who, uh, who was playing really well, you know, so far and then gets hurt. You know, when he's healthy, he's a good player. You just hope that you don't see the same fate for, uh, for Brown. Yeah, absolutely, and we 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 hope uh, at some point that fit in for uh, for John Ross as well. Uh, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Boykin. So you know, Boykin, a guy who, who gives him a little something different. Uh, you know, a, a bigger guy. You know, a, a guy that they can definitely get some matchups, uh, some different matchups with compared to uh, to Brown, is a you know a smaller, shiftier guy. So uh yeah you know great coming out of that draft class with with those two guys there too to to complement what they're doing and uh and then going out and getting uh getting Mark Ingram to throw in there in the backfield um really put together an impressive group of of skill players with uh what is you know already a good uh you know been a good offensive line in there too so um now shifting shifting over uh so this off season the the Ravens had some some big losses on defense from C.J. Mosley, Eric Weddle, uh, big addition, uh, and I think many would think uh, you know would, would argue upgrade in the safety position with uh, with Earl Thomas. Um, you know, right now though, it, it does look like they had, they've had some issues. Uh, I I've heard I heard somebody throw out a stat, and I and I wish I remember where it was about uh, the amount of tackles they were missing. After the catch, uh, it doesn't it, it didn't really stand out to me on film, but they are missing more tackles than than I'd be you know accustomed to them missing, and definitely seeing some issues in coverage as well, where it seems like you know maybe there's a miscommunication because somebody's 
streaking down the field just just too wide open. So uh, what is the state of this defense uh, currently in Baltimore? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because when you're – it's funny how we always when – we, when you think Baltimore, you think a, a defense and they're going to always be top five. But when you watch them this year, you see, you know, some guys missing tackles. You see busted coverages, more busted assignments this year than anything. And I think that's something that cost them against the Browns. They gave up two huge passes, uh, you know, deep down the field. We got the Browns inside, you know, scoring range, and they were able to, you know, um, produce. And we saw them just not be able to get off the field at times, and this was in the Cardinals game where Arizona was inside the red zone or, you know, near I won't say the green zone, inside the 10, like five mm-hmm. times or something in that game. So the defense is just not getting off the field like we've seen them do it. They, they're not affecting the pocket. You know, they still have the same aura about them where you're still, you know, it's the Mike Tyson effect where teams still come in fearing the Baltimore Ravens defense. But after a while, especially in the running game, you know, teams are like, wait a minute, you know, they are not as stout as they once were. And that's why you've seen these closed games. Because usually the defense, if, if you would have told the, the, the heyday Ravens defense that their offense would give them 27 points a game, they they say, oh, we, we won't lose a game. But now the Ravens need to score 40 uh, because their defense tends to give up some big plays. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, definitely a change. And, you know, ever since uh, ever since the early part of the 2000s, yeah, you were definitely expecting – a low-scoring affair uh, in in Baltimore. Um, I think that uh, you know, looking at this defense, uh, the the Bengals are coming off of a week when they finally started to put together something in the run game. Although I think that may have had more to do with Arizona's uh, talent on defense compared to the other teams they've seen than anything else. But um, you know, with some of the busted coverages and you know issues we've seen would really be a great week to have a healthy John Ross, but unfortunately that one uh, not in the cards. So uh, so what do you think overall uh, is is where the, the Ravens' position in the NFL right now? Uh, do you think that they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender, uh, you know, just a good playoff team? Where do you think that, that they fall currently? I think they're a very good playoff team. And if their defense gets better, they can be a Super Bowl team. Um, but I do see this team as more of a division around type team. Um, so I, I do think they can get in and win a wild card game. Uh, you know, I don't know if they had the defense to go far or as explosive of an offense to override, you know, a, a defense that, that could be faulty. Especially when you look at the rest of the AFC, let's look at the top. You're looking at New England. Um, has great defense. Their offense isn't as good right now, but you figure they'll get slowly better. But their defense has been leading the way. Kansas City has the offense, and you figure their defense does enough, but their offense is what can scare you out there on game day. And then after that, you can toss in the Houston Texans. You can toss in the Indianapolis Colts. You can toss in the Baltimore Ravens. you know, I think those teams have something, have one, the one thing that you can hang on and say, okay, yeah, that's a playoff team. That team can do well. For Indianapolis, it's defense. For Houston, it's their offense. And J.J. Watt, and for the Ravens, it's their offense with Lamar Jackson being the X factor. So there's always something uh, with the rest of these teams, but I don't see them as a dominant team. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's a long season. They do get Jimmy Smith back, and we'll see how that 
how that plays out. Yeah. So uh, now you mentioned you mentioned the Browns game. Uh, so kind of taking a step back from that. Um, really, at this point, uh, the Bengals are on five. The Steelers are on the third quarterback and weren't winning games. Uh, you know, before they got that deep into the quarterback depth chart. Uh, so, you know, right now it, it, it really appears to be the Ravens and the Browns. So, it, you know, looking at this from the standpoint of uh, the the best thing that can happen for Bengals fans uh, is the Bengals winning, the Bengals having a playoff team. Um, not looking good for that. Definitely very, very far behind the eight ball statistically on that one. Uh, the worst thing is the Steelers is the Steelers winning another one. Uh, the next worst is probably the Browns. So uh, what, what, what are you going to do to help us out? You, you feel pretty good about beating the Browns next time around and, and uh, you know, holding on to the, the first place and winning the AFC, or the, uh, AFC North? Oh, the Ravens? Yes. Yeah, I think the Ravens can beat the Browns uh, second time around. Um, they had their opportunities in that game before it got out of hand on the back end. Um, the Browns, I just think that if – if the Browns realize their true strength, which is running the football with Nick Chubb, and they're going to also get back Kareem Hunt and stop trying to push the ball through Baker Mayfield and make him the forefront of the offense, instead make Chubb and Hunt the forefront, and then allow Baker Mayfield to operate off play action, and you have these great one-on-one beaters in OBJ and Landry, then the Browns could be right back in the mix for a playoff berth. Their defense, I still believe, is good. Offensively, they, they're going about it the wrong way. They, they can run the hell out of the football, and if they don't realize that, it could be a lost season. Yeah, they've got some, uh, they've got some good talent there, and you know, I really think, I think Baker's, Baker's a little bit misunderstood, um, and, and his value to me is more swagger than talent. Um, and, just, and, and, and I liked him a lot. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and, on, and, and I would have been more than happy to welcome him into Cincinnati. Uh, so it's definitely not a knock on him. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's just, it's just his fire to keep that offense going. Uh, that's how he really contributes. So, you know, even when the ball is not in his hands every play, you're getting that out of that guy. Um, and I think can you look at the Browns now and, and what they they came out and there's all this hype behind them, and then they you know they were they were laying an egg the first couple of weeks, and you know what what did it take for them to get it together? It took them losing a couple of games uh, and not being the top dog. So I, I think Baker is a guy. Baker's got a huge chip on his shoulder. Uh, I don't think it works for him. This is going to sound weird coming from a you know a, you know winning so many games at Oklahoma, but. I think he's he works best as an underdog, and I think he can fire up a team and lead a team around him as an underdog. Uh, but I don't I don't know how that team plays from ahead. I don't think they have the personality to. I don't think they have a strong enough head coach uh, to you know really get them to to focus. I think one of the um, I, I'm not a huge Mike Mike Tomlin fan uh, from an X's and O's standpoint, but one thing that I that I thought Tomlin was one of the best in the league at was managing personalities. And, and I think that the job he did of, you know, controlling the, the swagger and the, and, uh, you know, the personality of Roethlisberger and harnessing it in the right way for so many years, 
you know, I think there's a lot of very good coaches that couldn't handle a personality like Big Ben. And I think that's kind of the issue that they have in Cleveland right now is I don't know if, uh, you, you know, Baker likes Freddie Kitchens. I think that's a big part of why he's the head coach. Uh, but I don't know if Freddie Kitchens has a strong enough personality to, uh, to counter Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they move this thing forward because at the end of the day, you there should be no reason why the Browns are not averaging 35 points a game on offense. I know, that, you know, people will point to the offensive line, but at some point, you know, you have to understand, like, hey, you know, you can you should be able to, to manufacture offense. This offensive line isn't bad enough to where they can't do anything offensively. Like I said before, they can run the heck out of the football. Um, so how about – they lean on that until things get squared away in, in the pass pro department. And running the ball can help you in a way in pass pro because, you know, by the time you're dropping back to pass, the, de- the defense that you just pounded on for a couple of times are not going to be as aggressive rushing the passer. So it helps you out in a way um, if you're able to run the football. But if you're not dedicating yourself to that and strictly dropping back and your quarterback is already skittish versus pressure, uh, has been since, since his days at Oklahoma, you're not doing yourself any favors in trying to win games. Like, you have the offensive personnel to be super productive, um, but you just – I don't want to say mismanaging it. You're just not going about putting these guys in position to, to have success. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think um, offensive line, don't get me wrong, offensive line is, is, is still very important in the NFL, but I think teams have become better at managing it when they, when they have some issues. Um, and we've seen, just like I, I think scheme is a big reason why young quarterbacks are able to come out of the gates, where in the past, uh, you know, like guys have basically redshirt for a year, even even top picks would, would take a year. Um, you know, we don't see, we saw that with Mahomes, we saw half of it with Lamar, but that wasn't really why they were doing it. But, um, but you know, I think it's the same thing with offensive line, that because of what the scheme is in the passing game, and uh, and how they've incorporated some of the run actions and RPOs and things like that. I don't. I think you can you can survive uh, a not great offensive line play, uh, especially when you have that kind of talent around you. Yeah, and at the NFL level, everything gets magnified. So you know that goes for your strengths and your weaknesses. And if you have a weakness, boy, these NFL coaches will exploit that every week. Mm. So um, appreciate, uh, yeah, appreciate you uh, talking with me a little bit, giving us a little bit of information on the Ravens. So got the first matchup coming up, and uh, I think we're back pretty quickly in just three, you know, four or five weeks or so uh, for the second matchup. So uh, is uh, anything you'd like to plug? Uh, you know, where can people find your work or, or listen to you talk a little bit more? They can follow me on Twitter at FBallGamePlan, and make sure they go and check out our latest book release called The Go-Go Offense. It's written by offensive coordinator Brendan Marion, who's the OC at William & Mary. Uh, does a great job in breaking down his offense, and it's, which is unique, and it's putting up a lot of yards, a lot of points. Uh, has done a great job in coaching across the board everywhere he's been. You can pick up that book at footballgameplan.com slash offense. All right, awesome. Well, once again, thank you very much uh, for joining me. Uh, you know, hoping the hoping the Ravens take the L this weekend, uh, but definitely looking forward to seeing them beating the beating the Browns and the Steelers as the season goes on. Uh, appreciate and we will continue. 
uh, <laughs> we, we will continue and we will get a little bit of Ravens film, uh, taking a look at that run game we were talking about uh, out of the shotgun with both the uh, loaded backfield zone and the power uh, in just a second here. All right, so I'm sure everybody's having great fun uh, watching Cardinals film. So we're going to watch some more Cardinals film as we preview uh, the Baltimore Ravens. So this is week two, uh, and I want to talk a little bit about the Ravens like to come out in these loaded back sets with three backs and Lamar Jackson uh, in the backfield. So uh, in this particular case, uh, they have got uh, Gus Edwards uh lined up deep. Uh, they've got um, a fullback to uh, Jackson's left. Jackson's in the shotgun. And they've got uh, their tight end, Boyle, to his right. Uh, so they like to get in this formation. They'll run a lot of uh, zone read uh, out of this look, uh, out of this loaded backfield look. Uh, we did see a little bit of that previewing uh, the Cardinals as well, actually. Uh, so, you know, what that is, essentially, you know, the, the line is, is blocking the zone. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's that tight zone with the cutback that we've seen quite a bit of, uh, and, and we've seen quite a bit of, uh, out of, uh, the 49ers in that game in particular. Uh, so where Lamar is actually turning really away from the zone, uh, and, and open it up. So, uh, they run zone to the right, uh, but the back goes to the left and they're reading the end man in the line of scrimmage. All right. Uh, so one of the backs loops around out wide to block for uh, Jackson if he keeps it. The other comes in, all right, and is looking to, to uh, pick up linebackers flowing into, into that area, all right? So, reading the end man on the line of scrimmage. Who is that? That's this guy. Uh, so, the end man on the line of scrimmage, if he stays wide, Jackson gives the ball. So, that's what happens on this one. Jackson gives it, and Gus Edwards turns it into a four-yard gain. Now, in this, uh, the uh, third quarter of that very same game, uh, they motioned into, into that heavy backfield, that loaded backfield set. Uh, this time it was Ingram at, at the running back. They had Hayden Hurst uh, and Boyle in the uh, backfield on either side of Jackson. Hurst motioned in. He'd lined up as a receiver, motions into that set. So he releases out wide. He's blocking for Jackson, uh, and they're running the zone in the other direction, running the zone in the other direction, uh, with Boyle coming around, again, looking to pick up any, any kind of linebacker, any kind of cutback player on that. Now, this time, the end man in the line of scrimmage bends in, all right? And he actually, he didn't tackle him, uh, but he gets his hands on him. Uh, you know, he, he wraps up Ingram. So Jackson makes the right read. Jackson stays out wide, keeps the ball, and, and takes off out, out uh, wide, He's got a lead blocker out there in front of him, and he's able to pick up nine yards in this play. So, again, you know, this is the dangers of having an athletic quarterback. Very good job there, and definitely something the Bengals need to watch out for. They've had, uh, you know, a lot of trouble with the run game, and Lamar Jackson, uh, just like Kyler Murray, provides, you know, another real um, real opportunity, you know, uh, to put it kindly, uh, for them there. That, that, that's somebody else that they have to be aware of uh, who can – do some really big time things for them. Uh, now, the other component of this, so we see a lot of zone read. We also see a good amount of power. Uh, and, you know, I think it's funny. The Ravens over the summer, the word was that uh, they were going to revolutionize football and, uh, you know, do this brand new stuff that nobody had ever seen. 
I mean, they're running they're running power on the shotgun and reading stuff. I mean, it's pretty much what the 49ers were doing with what Harbaugh's brother was doing with the 49ers uh, when Kaepernick was there at the beginning of this decade. Uh, so uh, that's essentially what they're doing uh, here, though. We're going to get a look. This is uh, this is a power play. All right. Uh, so on the power play uh, that they ran earlier in that game against the Cardinals, uh, you know, they had a tight end. They motioned a guy across. He's actually the fullback, but he's lined up. Uh, as a uh, as a receiver, they motion him across to, to kick out, uh, and then you know the way power works is you've got a tight end fullback you know kicking out on the edge, and then you've got uh, your line on the play side is blocking down. They leave the declared Mike, all right, that play side backer unblocked, and the left uh, guard will do uh, in this case because it's a power to the right. Uh, the left guard, the backside guard, will. Um, will kick step or sorry um <laughs> he'll he'll pull around all right he'll kick pull and uh he'll look to lead up on that linebacker all right so the difference uh skip uh, skip pull out uh, of that wrong, excuse me uh so the difference between a hinge pull and a skip pull and the idea with the skip pull is it's, it's a tighter play and you're looking to keep your eyes down the field or the hinge pull like you're really turning and opening up and running down the sideline uh he wants to get upfield so it's really just a, uh, a skip pull on this one. So uh, that's how the power play works. Uh, you know, and they, they give to Ingram on this one uh, in the first quarter against the, uh, the Cardinals. And Ingram gained 16 yards on that play. So, you know, definitely a, a big-time play for them. Uh, you know, and power is something that can, that can hurt. Uh, it, it can you know, get a lot, of, a lot of bodies in there and really uh, – you know, take advantage of you, get you on, get you on a track and get your, your guys moving. Uh, so in week four against the Browns, we're, we're going to take a look at a quarterback power. So this is in the fourth quarter. Our uh, fourth quarter just started is third and five. So this is a third down. This is a situation most people are passing. You know, they got Jackson. They're cool. They're cool running the ball. They, they know what they got to do. They can make some plays. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's a it's a, a spread look. They've got uh, they've got uh, two receivers uh, on either side of the formation, and you can see them. Uh, you know, teams will run this with a jet sweep, uh, but what they do is they just align their running back out wide, uh, and and you know that's where that mesh is going to be. He has the option to give that, uh, and if the defensive end to the right where the power is going crashes down. Um, you know, because they don't have a real strong force to kick him out with there. Uh, if he crashes down, they'll give to the running back. Uh, but this guy actually gets out wide, all right? He gets out wide. He's playing real wide. So Jackson keeps it. And, again, it's the same thing. It's just a quarterback power now. So what are they going to do? You know, they're going to they're gonna block it down, and they're going to pull around that backside guard. Jackson's going to follow him right up the hole. So Jackson is able to gain seven yards on that. So that's a really, uh, you know, really good play for them. So Jackson can throw the ball around, right? Like, so the run game is something that the Bengals have had to worry about all year. It's been a major problem for them. Kyler Murray gave them fits yesterday, uh, excuse me, uh, last week as a running quarterback. Lamar Jackson probably going to do the same. All right, Lamar Jackson's going to be an issue for them. So they have to be aware of these things. They'll also do some misdirection. They'll do some play action uh, off of these things. They'll do some triple op- uh, option stuff uh, off of the zone read. Uh, so they're going to have to be really sound and really disciplined 
uh, in their run defense, and also just run and rally to the ball. You know, when, when something breaks, they're going to have to figure it out. Do your job and then run to the ball. Um, and that's what it really comes down to. Jackson can make some plays in the pass game, too, with Marquise Brown. Uh, it, you know, if he is going, uh, not sure at the time I'm recording this, uh, if he is or not, there's some injury concerns about him. Uh, but great athlete, uh, you know, and, and, you know, that is a real connection that they've got with those guys. Uh, so first couple of weeks looked very, very good. Uh, the last few weeks, Jackson has thrown too many picks. Uh, so there could be some opportunities there. Uh, but if, you know, if he can really lock in, make some good decisions, be accurate with the ball, uh, and get this running game going, I mean, this is a team on the verge. Uh, they are just about to take off. So, uh, as usual, hey, Bengals, uh, don't be that guy. Uh, don't be the team that lets them take off on you. So uh, that is going to be it for this week's Bengals Chalk Talk. Uh, I will be back next week and every week. Remember, this is available Thursday evening just in time for your Friday morning commute every week. Uh, and listen to the podcast, uh, you know, in your car, if, if, if that's what you do, that's what I do. Um, but also realize that, uh, if you go to Facebook, you go to YouTube, you can find the video as well. So that may make things a little bit clearer, uh, and, and kind of explain things for you, uh, on the podcast version. If you are watching on YouTube on the podcast version, uh, we have, uh, different guests, so, uh, you know, make sure you tune in. Always try and get somebody that knows a little something about what is going on uh, with the team that the Bengals are facing this week. Uh, once again, Matt Minnick for the uh, Bengals Chalk Talk here on Orange and Black Insider. Go Bengals. See you next week. Yeah, we're coming for Yeah, we're coming for